Good morning. How's everyone? Good. It's good to see you. Well, like you said, my name is Mike Myers. What does that do for you? On, on one end, you've got the comedian. On the other end, my full name is Michael Myers. So if you follow horror movies, there's a killer named Michael Myers. So junior high was so fun for me. But it's good to be with you. My, um, the girl that's saying is actually my sister. Kaylee Myers, and so we, she came out for the summer, and we're excited, and uh, she's just done an awesome job, but it's good to be with you. I, I've been working, I'm a teaching pastor at Irvine, and uh, I've also been working behind the scenes with Huntington Beach in uh, Rooted and uh, Community Life stuff, so some of you may have gotten a random email from a guy named M. Myers at MarinersChurch.org. I'm that guy. So it's been, it's been awesome to see uh, the Huntington Beach community, this church, flourish uh, under Caleb Anderson. He's done such a great job. Jairus, his team, uh, you all are blessed and you're in good hands because God has taken you somewhere. But before we begin, as we begin to get into God's word, would you uh, bow your heads with me? I want to pray and ask God's blessing on our time. So God, we thank you for who you are. God, that you are good and that you desire good things for us. So God, we ask uh, that you would come in a way that only you can. Father, would you send the power of your Holy Spirit to open up our hearts, open up our minds, maybe even the places where we are resistant to hear your word. God, would you open up that spot? God, I actually believe that if you would speak and we could listen, that our lives would be changed. So God, would you come? Would you help us to learn your word today? We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Well, uh, like Graham said, uh, if you haven't, if you don't know, the U.S. Open of surfing surfing has just kicked off. And uh, this weekend, it just happened. And also this weekend is the fourth year, my four-year anniversary of moving to California. That one's probably not as important to you, but it's important to me. But in the spirit of the U.S. Open of surfing kicking off and me moving out here uh, four years ago, I'd like to tell you a story. So four years ago, I moved out here from the great state of Ohio. Now, for those who have never been outside of California, if you go east of Bakersfield, there's like this whole other land out there in America. And it's awesome. It's wonderful. But I moved out here uh, four years ago to become a professional surfer. I'm just kidding. I moved out here to go to seminary. And as I moved out here from seminary, I moved with a friend of mine, and uh, we had it in our mind and in our hearts to learn how to surf. We wanted to learn how to surf. Now, my buddy was from Michigan, and I was from Ohio, so we didn't exactly know what we were doing or even where to start. But somewhere along the way, we thought that we should learn how to bodyboard. And all the surfers in the room just looked at me with a glaring look. That's okay. But we thought we should learn how to, how to bodyboard first. So we needed to go and get equipment. So me and my buddy, we're grown men at this point. Keep this in mind. We go to a Play It Again Sports, and we buy two matching $20 bodyboards from the Play It Again Sports. And we knew that we needed a, a wetsuit because the water in California is cold, but we had that covered. You see, my friend from Michigan brought along his O'Neill scuba wetsuit that came with a lime green stripe right down the side that broke into two pieces. He took the leg portion of the scuba wetsuit, and I took the arm portion of the wetsuit, and we had our matching boards, and we took to the water. And we actually have a picture of this. 
Yes. As you can see, uh, that is a great look, and I'm glad that it's the backside because I don't know if it's him or if it's me. I had to tear this out. But you can see the, uh, the stripe down the side, and uh, whoever's heading into the water has the full wetsuit on and a little camouflage on the back there. We were a little ahead of our time, but it's okay. But you know what? So we had our stuff, and we lived about a mile from Newport Beach, so we headed out one day, and uh, it was a big day. At least to us, it was a big day. And we wade out into the water, and we make it about halfway before we just get destroyed by the white water. Not only did we not make it out, a lifeguard truck pulls up and gets on his PA system and says, you two in the water, you can't go past your waist without fins. We didn't have fins at the time. And it was embarrassing. Uh, But, you know, we eventually went on to learn how to bodyboard and to learn how to longboard, and eventually we learned how to shortboard. But as I I think about this story, I have to be honest with you, uh, there's times where I go out to surf, and I see someone who clearly doesn't know what they're doing, and I think, I hope that Midwesterner doesn't get in my way. But as I think about that story, it kind of reveals something that we all run into from time to time, and that is this, is that we want grace extended to us, but we don't always extend grace to others. Now, if you're not with me, let me give you some examples. Has anybody ever taught you how to do something on a computer? Or maybe they taught you how to download an application for your phone and use it. But then someone else comes along and wants you to teach them how to use it. Let's say your mom or your dad comes and says, can you show me how to do this thing? Are you quick to extend patience and grace with them? Got a lot really quiet in here. I'm going to keep moving. What about this? Has anybody ever taught you how to play a card game or a board game? You learn and you're thankful for that. But then when you're playing that same game with someone who's new and they're learning how, you get mad because they slow the game down. Uh, It's nobody in Huntington Beach. I know that. I know. But what about this? Has anybody, show of hands, ever worked at a restaurant? Ever been a waiter or a waitress? Have you ever worked at a Starbucks or a coffee spot and you've been a barista? What about retail? Has anybody in the room ever worked at retail? Okay, my entire message has nothing to do with you because you know what it's like to receive grace and then extend it to someone else. But for the rest of us, the good news is that we're not the only ones to wrestle with this tension of receiving grace but not always extending it to others. In our story for today, we're going to look at a man who was given a lot of grace nationally, his, his country was blessed, and him personally was given a lot of grace, but he wasn't so quick to extend that grace to others. Before we jump into that, we are in a sermon series called Epic. Epic, Heroes and Villains of the Bible. Well, we're looking at these characters in the Bible. Did you know that there are some wonderfully complex characters in the Scripture? Sometimes we think about characters in the Bible and we think, oh, they just did, always did the right thing. When God asked them to do something, they just did it, and they never complained, and they never had any problems. That's not the Bible that I read. In the Bible, there's these wonderfully complex characters, dynamic characters, and so we are looking at some of these people. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at the character of Jonah. Jonah. We're going to go to the book of Jonah. 
Now, I actually hear quite a few more pages turning in this 10 o'clock service than I did at the 8.30 service, but that's okay, because I know that HB is technologically savvy, which means that you have a copy of the scriptures on your phone, or maybe on an iPad, but you know what? I'm feeling so generous this morning that if you didn't bring your Bible, we're going to put the scriptures on the screen just for you, but just because you came to the 10 o'clock service. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Jonah, the book of Jonah. Now, the book of Jonah, it's not very long. It's only four chapters, but to, for the sake of time, we're not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to give you the abridged version. We'll look at a couple, a couple of passages and, and learn some stuff, hopefully, along the way. But the story begins in Jonah 1, 1 to 2, and I'm going to read. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. The end, Jonah did what God said, you can all go home. Is that how it happens? It's not how it happens. Now this isn't on the screen, but if you keep reading, it says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. And this is where our story begins. After, after God gives this instruction to Jonah, and Jonah runs and he heads for Tarshish. He literally, Tarshish is literally in the complete opposite direction of where God had told him to go. Complete opposite direction than the city of Nineveh. So he takes off for Tarshish. And not only does he take off, he goes down to a port city and he finds a, a group of people and a ship that are heading in the opposite direction. So he boards the ship. He gets on board with them, goes down below and starts to take a nap. And as he's taking a nap, God sends this huge storm that starts to, to blow and throw this ship all over the place, and the sailors are terrified, but yet Jonah sleeps through it all. Now, those who have had teenagers in the room, I'm raising my hand, I've never had a teenager, but those who have had teenagers or been a teenager, you know what it's like to sleep through anything. So Jonah sleeps through this whole mess. And the sailors run down, and they go to Jonah, and they wake him up, and they're a, they're thinking, how are you sleeping? B, where are you from? C, is it your fault that this storm has come upon us? In which Jonah replies, yes, I'm a Hebrew, and the God that I serve is the God of the sea and the heaven, all, all that you see. And so they said, well, you need to do something about this. And he says, well, then throw me overboard. And the people, are, they're a little hesitant to do so. And so Jonah says, if you don't throw me overboard, God's going to destroy this ship. And so they agree to what Jonah said. They throw him overboard. And as he's sinking in the water, thinking that it is lost, a giant what comes along? A giant whale or fish comes along and swallows Jonah up, and he's in his belly. And it's at that point that Jonah repents and starts to listen to God. Now, let me give you something free this morning. If you are ever in a situation to where you are swallowed up by a giant fish and you live, that is your come to Jesus moment. <laughs> so, Jesus, so Jonah makes it, he repents, and while he's in the, the belly of this fish, he, he um, I don't know if he wrote it while he was in the belly of the fish, I'm assuming after he gets out of the fish, but he writes this beautiful song. Now, we have the book of Psalms where David and some others are credited for writing these beautiful psalms. But if you want a beautiful psalm, 
There's uh, chapter 2 of Jonah is a beautiful psalm that he writes of God and his deliverance and uh, the salvation that he receives. But after he gets, he gets out of the, the fish, the fish literally, it says that God had the fish vomit him onto the land. Thank you, Lord. That he listens and he obeys and he goes, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah again and he proclaims that word to these people and listen what it says in Jonah 3.5. It says the Ninevites believed God and a fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. So as Jonah ran away from this city of Nineveh, maybe even thinking they're not going to listen or receive anything that I have to say, when he obeys and he goes and he does the thing, it says that the people believed. Not only did they just believe, but they actually put action or faith to that belief. And then look at Jonah 3.10. It says when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways. He relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Isn't that interesting? In the beginning, God says, Jonah, go and tell these people that their wickedness is so bad, it's come up to me, and you need to go and tell them about the destruction that I'm going to bring on them. That's what he says. So Jonah goes and he gives them the instruction, eventually, and God relents of what he said he was going to do. God turned away from the calamity. God turned away from the destruction that God said that he was going to do because they turned from their wickedness. They turned from their way, repented, and moved towards God. And God moved toward them. Now, as we look at this story, isn't this how our stories go? Now, some of you are thinking, uh, no, that's not how my story goes. Uh, I've always been obedient. I've always done what God said. Well, I'm so happy that you're here. Pray for the rest of us. But isn't this how our stories go? Jonah's story kind of serves as a pattern for our lives of faith. God speaks to us, or the word of the Lord comes to us, and we have a decision to make when that comes. We run, or we listen to what God has to say. And when we run, it's interesting in the story, as Jonah ran, he didn't run alone, That when we run, there's always a people to run with, and there's always a place to run to. So as that word comes, we have a decision, and we decide to run away, there's always people to run with, and there's always a place to run to. But then something happens, a a storm happens, or a crisis happens, and we, we begin to turn, or we begin to rethink this thing, and God provides a way out, or God provides some deliverance, and then we turn our hearts back to Him. You know, when I was uh, in high school, uh, I had felt God calling me to uh, become a pastor. Now, some of you are thinking, that's crazy, and you're semi-right. But my dad was a pastor, so it didn't seem too crazy to me. And I began to follow that, that calling, and it led me into Bible school. I went to Bible school, and then I felt God was calling me out to Los Angeles to be a youth pastor. And so I, I moved out to, out to Los Angeles to follow this call, this thing that God was, was leading me to, this thing that God had spoken to me about. But my time in Los Angeles was cut short because my father had lost a four-and-a-half-year battle to colon cancer. And as he passed away, I, I decided I need to move back. I moved back home to be with my, my mother and my sister, who, who just sang, was 15 at the time. Just felt like I was much more needed at home than anywhere else. But in that year after my father passed away, 
I had felt God still uh, not relenting on what he had called me to. The thing that God had spoken to me, the thing that God had stirred in my heart, I had felt like he was not relenting on that, that it wasn't done, it wasn't over. And so there was a couple opportunities to jump back into ministry, but I instead went and worked for an insurance company. Now, there's nothing wrong with insurance companies. Just for me, it wasn't where God had called me to. And so I ran. In my own way, I ran. And you know what's funny? As I ran, there were people to run with. And there were places to run to. But God was relentless in his pursuit. God was relentless in what he had called me to do, and he wasn't going to let go. And there was this sense in that year following my father's death that, that I had two choices in front of me. I could run. I could run far. I could run and go and do whatever I wanted to do. Or I could listen and I could obey what God was calling me to do. And there was a sense that if I were to obey and listen, that I could become the person that God was calling me to be. But at the same time, I kid you not, while I'm working for this company, I applied for seminary, uh, which was a giveaway in the beginning part of the story, in the scholarship program. Right before I was accepted into that, my company offered me uh, a promotion. And so again, I had a decision to make. But I decided to move out here and follow seminary and follow ministry. And God has shaped my life in significant ways. And he's used my life to shape the lives of others because I went down that path. You see, Jonah's story is our story. Jonah's story is a story of salvation. You see, the Ninevites were not Israelites. They were outsiders. They were people uh, on the outside. In fact, they were uh, known for persecuting Jonah and his people. And so you got to understand Jonah's hesitancy to act on what God was speaking to him or telling him to do. But God is a God for the outsider as well as the insider. That God wants to bring salvation to the outside, unbelieving world to the Ninevehs. But God also wants to bring salvation to the inside, to the Jonahs as well. This morning, what is your Nineveh? What is your Nineveh? What is that place of pain, that place of difficulty? It's my belief that God has, has spoken to this community. I believe that God has spoken to the Huntington Beach community, that you're not here by an accident, that God has sent a pastor, that God has sent a people to reach this community. I believe that God has spoken to this community, but I also believe that God has spoken to individuals in this room. That God has said something to you. God has stirred something in your heart. And here's the question. What will you do with it? What are you going to do with it? Because how you respond to what God speaks to you individually affects us collectively. You see, when Jonah took off and ran, it wasn't just Jonah that it was affecting. There was an entire city that didn't get to hear the message that God had placed on his heart. Because what God speaks to us and what God does in our hearts individually has an effect on us collectively. And when we run from what God speaks, there's an impact. And when we listen, there's also an impact. Look at Jonah 3, 1 through 5. It says, Then when the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Remember that line. We're going to hit it in a second. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a large city, so it took three days to go through it. 
Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Now, since you're the 10 o'clock service, I'll give you something free. You ready for something free? This is all my seminary knowledge just for you. I'm just kidding. But no, uh, Jonah walked right into Nineveh, a foreign city. No, you know, wasn't stopped, anything like that. And theologians have debated about this. And some think that because he was in the belly of a fish for three days, that it had bleached his hair and bleached his arm hair and his whole body. So as he's walking through this city, he looked like a ghost. Now, if a ghost comes to you, would you listen to what they would have to say? Probably. But in that passage we just read, it's interesting. There's a couple things I want to point out. It says that the word of the Lord came a second time to Jonah. You see, God will continue to speak and continue to stir and continue to speak and continue to stir. It's not just a one-time deal, but God keeps coming at you and coming at you and coming at you because there's purpose. And we see the patience and the grace that God has with Jonah. And that same grace and patience that God had with Jonah, he has with us this morning. And look what happens when Jonah listens and obeys and he moves at this thing. Nineveh is impacted. This great wicked city is impacted and they turn and they follow the Lord. You see, when we fail to obey or act on what God speaks, both we and others miss out. Because we are the instruments that God uses to move his plan forward. Now do me a favor this morning. Look to the person on your left. I'm watching Now, some of you, there's a wall, so work with me. (laughs) And look to the person on your right. Again, a wall, but there's other people. Hopefully, you've seen someone in that little move. You are God's plan. You are his plan. He has chosen to work in and through you that you are carriers of salvation. Have you ever thought about that as yourself? That the places that you go, your places of work, into your families, into your neighborhoods, that you carry something significant. You carry something very important. As Jonah walked into the city, he carried this message of salvation and look at the impact that it had on Nineveh. What if... We saw ourselves as carriers of something significant. But we are commissioned to, as you see in your outlines, there's three things that were commissioned in that verse. He says to go. Go requires action, requires you to do something. Proclaim in word and in deed, proclaim, and then the message, God's message. And what is God's message that we take to others? It's in Jonah 4.2, and I believe this will be on the screen. This is Jonah. He says that God is gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, my assumption that, that is, that's the message that God gives us to speak to, to others, that God is a God of compassion and he is a God of love and that he desires that relationship with you and with others. But my assumption this morning is that you would generally say, yeah, we agree with that. I'm on board with that. I think that God wants to bring salvation to the world. I think he wants to bring salvation to me. 
And I somewhere play a part in that. I'm on board with that. The challenge is, is when we leave this place. And it's not just a, a person talking from a stage. It's, it's not just an abstract thought. But when we face that real place or that real person that God is speaking to us about, that's where we begin to feel the resistance to what God is saying. You know, what's interesting in this story is that after God brings this amazing uh, victory or delivery to the city of Nineveh, look at how Jonah responds. In Jonah 4.1, it says this, But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. God actually did what he said he was going to do. And Jonah resisted initially, but then he gets angry. And that anger revealed something deeper within Jonah's life. You see, the place and the, the place where you're resistant and the person that you're resistant to tells a story, that there's a story behind that resistance, which is why we need to pay attention to where we feel the resistance this morning. But what has God spoken or stirred in you, and where are you resistant? If I'm honest, there, there are people and there are places in my life where I'm resistant, where God can work in all these other areas, but in area A and B and C, God, I would really like it if you didn't go to those places. The thing about God is that's exactly where he goes because he knows that those places of resistance tell a story of brokenness. In Jonah's story, the thing that was um, kind of interesting, but also sad, was that God watched as Jonah, or as God delivered and rescued an entire city, but he wouldn't let God rescue his heart. You see, the places where you are resistant, God's going to keep coming at, because he knows that that place tells a story of brokenness. And God's not satisfied or content with leaving you in that place because he wants to bring life there. He wants to speak good things to that. He wants to mend. He wants to bring wholeness to that area. He's not content. He's not satisfied with leaving it broken. Because God wants to rescue the heart. You know what's interesting is that saving an entire city was seemed like it wasn't very difficult for God. But then when he ran, when Jonah ran up against God, Jonah wouldn't let him rescue that place of his heart, that Nineveh, that place of difficulty in his heart. In uh, Jonah chapter 4, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing because I want you to go home and be Bible people and read Jonah chapter 4, and it's amazing and awesome. But in there, after God brings this, this, this delivery uh, there's this kind of this story of how Jonah gets mad and he takes off and he goes and builds himself a shelter and he's hiding out away. From, I guess he thought he could get away from God if he couldn't do it on the ship. I don't know. He thought he could go on a trail or something and get away. And as he's away, uh, God has this plant. He, he, scripture says that he has this plant kind of rise up and it provides shade for Jonah. And he, Jonah's so happy and he's so thankful for that. But then the next day, God sends this wind, and it destroys the plant, and then Jonah becomes angry again, and he just says, why don't you just let me die, God? And, it, and it's interesting how the author puts this, because Jonah, God's like, you were so happy about a plant, and then you were so uh, upset about a plant, you did nothing to let it grow, and you did nothing to let it go. 
But then, but yet you are, you are still uh, so distorted about what I wanted to do with the people of, Israel, of Nineveh. And look what it says in Jonah 4.11. It says, but the Lord said, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. You see, the thing is, when we continue to resist where God wants to work, it begins to distort our view of reality. When we let those areas remain hard and hardened, it begins to distort the way we see uh, situations. It begins to distort the way we see certain relationships. It begins to distort our view of the world. So what has God spoken to you this morning? What has God stirred in your heart? And where are you resistant to that? Where are you resistant to what God has spoken? Where are you resistant to what God is stirring in your heart? And then I ask you this question. What if you allowed God to rescue your heart? What if you allowed God to come and to rescue that place where you feel resistant? Your Nineveh. That place that has caused you pain. That place that is difficult. What if you allowed God to come and to rescue that place this morning? Imagine if we were to walk out of here and live this truth out. What if people knew us as rescued people and not resistant people? Imagine the impact that it would have on others. To tie back into my story with uh, my father's uh, passing, it's a very difficult place for me. He died young. I was young. I did not want God to go there. Part of me running from ministry was me running from that place in my life. But I had to open my heart back up. I had to allow God to come in and to rescue that place. And God has brought healing and he has brought life and he's been able to use that story to impact the life of others. Because God doesn't want to leave you where you're at. He wants to come and rescue your heart. Now this morning, uh, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to have some questions for you to just pause and reflect on, think about. So let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. God, that you you really are good. And God, even in those times where it feels like you're not good, you're good. So God, as we pause at this point in our day to reflect on these questions, would you speak to us? Maybe you spoke to us a long time ago. Maybe you spoke to us today. But God, when we pay attention to those places that are stirring, and God, when we also notice where we are resistant, would you come rescue our heart? In Jesus' name.